0: Cairo, Seattle. It's time to Get Schooled with a Professor, Sean Clayton.
1: Welcome to Schooled with a Professor, one of the big stories in a national football league that doesn't go away. No, it's not just the Jebby and Clowney. It's uh, Jamal Adams asking for a trade from the New York Jets. And, of course, he's named eight teams. Doesn't look like there's much chance of a trade happening. But let's get into that story and more on Schooled with a Professor with Rich Cimini of ESPN.com who covers the Jets. And so, uh, you know, how would you evaluate uh, the position Jamal's taken? I can understand that uh, he's upset that they haven't made a move toward him, but the timing isn't right in the sense that uh, nobody knows what the cap's going to be next year because don't know if people are going to be in the stands or not.
0: Yeah, first of all, John, I, I would say that I, I'm not surprised uh, that Jamal has taken this stance. You could just see the storm clouds forming a few months ago actually as far back as october at the trading deadline when the when there was some uh, bad blood when the jets uh, engaged in some trade talks with the cowboys with you know over jamal and jamal didn't take it well so you could just see this forming on the horizon and it really maybe it came on quicker than i thought you know usually the teams do a dance a little bit and then maybe at the end of the preseason when it gets down to the regular season the player asks for a trade uh, but in this case, it happened so fast, you know, in, in mid June, the player asks for a trade and you're right. You know, I don't think they're going to trade him at least not. That's not their plan right now. Uh, from everybody I talk to, the jets have no intention of trading him. Of course, things could change, you know, a month or two from now, but I think that's their plan right now is to ride it out and see where this goes.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, the one issue that he has, which he might have a little bit of an advantage on compared to the other draft choices in 2017, those that are on their rookie contracts, is that uh, first, you if you hold out into training camp, uh, you lose a year toward free agency. But one thing I guess that's you know, not helps him, but of course is on his side, is that they have the fifth-year option next year, which means that, uh, you know, he can get into free agency in 2022, but what good does that do him? Because, uh, again, it's like, a, like, for example, Dalvin Cook, uh, if he holds out, he's a restricted free agent next year. And in the case of uh, Jamal, he's out there being a fifth-year option guy.
0: Yeah, I don't think that'll affect Jamal as much, that the, the losing the accrued season, because I don't think he's ever going to get the free agency, you know, because he'll get a new deal. If it's not this year from the Jets, it'll be someone else either this year or next year. Um, so I, I don't think that is going to be a major deterrent for him. You know, the other part of that deterrent is 40000 a day in fines. Which the team, uh, you know, has, in in his case, the team has the option of waiving it at the end if he signs in a deal, but, you know, there's a chance that they don't waive it. And, you know, that's a lot of fines. You know, that's more than a million and a half dollars for a full training camp if you sit out. So, you know, that would be a pretty big deterrent, I would think. So it's fascinating to see how this will play out. I don't think he'll show up for training camp. Uh, I mean, he's already made it clear he doesn't want to be on the team. So why would he show up for training camps? Uh, I I do not expect him to be in camp on time.
1: Yeah, go over uh, where this relationship started to go. You mentioned the trade deadline in October. There seemed to be trade talk with the Dallas Cowboys, and it makes you kind of wonder, you know, what's going through the mind of the Jets front office and coaching staff when here's one of your best players, if not the best player on your team, and you're willing to trade him.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Joe Douglas is a new general manager. You know, I I like Joe's potential in the position. I think he's, you know, got a good plan. But he may have made a mistake or two along the way. Uh, I think last October at the trading deadline, you know, I think he told Jamal, don't worry, we're not going to trade you. And the next thing you know, he's talking to the Cowboys. And that really upset Jamal, which he blasted uh, Douglas on Twitter. And, you know, I think Joe Douglas is, philosophy which he holds for every player is that if someone calls he's always going to listen. And he was I think he was doing a little more than listening with the Cowboys last year. I think he was engaging in some some talks, some back and forth proposals and counter proposals. So I think he probably learned a lesson there that he just needs to be a little more uh just have be a better communicator with the player. And the same thing holds for this offseason. I mean, Joe has said publicly on a number of occasions how much he wants to keep Jamal around, and he loves Jamal, and he wants to make him a Jet for life. So when you say stuff like that publicly, it certainly leads the player to believe that the team is very motivated to extend his contract, when in fact the Jets, I believe, do not want to extend his contract this year. I think they'd rather kick the can down the road to next year. And so I think maybe they've... You know, sent some mixed signals, and and I think maybe Joe needs to do a better job of communicating that to Jamal.
1: Yeah, what's um, how good of a player is Jamal?
0: Well, well, he's really good. I mean, look, two Pro Bowls, one All Pro in his first three seasons. Um, he's the best player on the team. He's the best defensive player, obviously. Uh, he's a catalyst. He brings a lot of energy, but. Here's a big but, he's not Troy Palomalu as a safety. He's not Ed Reed as a safety. He's not a generational-type safety because he doesn't intercept the football. He's got two interceptions in three years, and he's a box safety. Now, he's a very good box safety, but he's not the guy who's going to change a game with a play on the ball. And he got a lot of sacks last year. I think it was six-and-a-half. I think a lot of that credit goes to Greg Williams for putting him in that position to make plays at the line of scrimmage and make plays in the backfield. But he's a really good player. You know, you could make a case that he's the best safety in the league, but I just don't think he's one of those, you know, like I said, a Reed or a Palomalu, uh, a Ronnie Lott type
1: safety. I'm sure with uh, so much time on our hands right now and not a lot of news, you've gone through the eight teams that he's brought up. Uh, which could, yeah. now again, uh, that's obviously the Jets call, and my guess now that you know, they're not going to trade him, but how would you kind of rank the top three teams in being able to acquire him?
0: Well, I would rank them. I, I don't think they would send him in the AFC. I, I would think they'd want to send him to the other conference. Um, you know, So certainly Philadelphia jumps out simply because Joe Douglas has strong ties to Philadelphia, worked there as an executive for a few years. So, you know, you, you know I, I think we've seen a tendency with, with this Jets regime. They like to do deals with the teams they're familiar with. So uh, that would be one team, surely. And certainly the Cowboys have to be ranked at or at the top of the list or certainly near the top just because of the what happened last October. I think a lot of that depends on what happens with Dak Prescott. You know, uh, if they sign him to a long-term deal – and can lower his cap charge, then maybe they have room for uh, for Jamal. Now, I know this for a fact. That is Jamal's number one team. You know, he lives in Dallas. He grew up in Dallas. His parents live in Dallas. He wants to play for Dallas, even without an extension. I think if Jerry Jones promised him Jamal – uh, come to you know we'll trade for you, but I can't give you an extension till next year. I think Jamal would be would be okay with that. I think he wants to play for them that much.
1: But the problem I have with the Cowboys is their their cap situation next year because. Uh, particularly not knowing if the caps the cap's not going to go up. I think we're all agreed on that and it may go down, but they may be able to keep it somewhere near the $200 million mark. But uh, if they can't get a deal with Dak, they will have to franchise him and that's 37.7 cap room. Then they've got two other players, Amari Cooper and uh, Demarcus Lawrence at $22 million cap next year. You got 13 plus million dollars in Ezekiel Elliott, and you've got three offensive linemen, 10 plus million bucks. I mean, the numbers don't go uh, unless he do- doesn't get a deal into 2022.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, they have, I think I read somewhere that the Dallas has the most players in the league, you get 20 million or above. So, I mean, you can't, you have to draw the line somewhere, you know, and so I think that that could be a tough squeeze for, for Jamal going there. Yeah. Um, You know, I think uh, Houston is another team that I think he really likes. We know Bill O'Brien has become kind of a trading maniac this off season, so you never know about Houston. Uh, I think the Jets would prefer to send him out of the conference, but again, they haven't given him permission to talk to any teams yet. You know, the Jets right now aren't even motivated to trade him. Uh, I think they, if they had their druthers, he would just play this season under his current contract, but. You know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah.
1: Where would, where would you put Seattle in the mix? Because, uh, you know, being out here in Seattle, I think there's no chance because they're so loaded at safety. You know, they got Bradley McDougal, who was a Pro Bowl alternate two years ago, Quandre Diggs, who's been a Pro Bowl alternate for two years, and they can't hardly get Marquise Blair, who's a talented young uh, second-round choice, uh, in position to get in uh, too much on the field. So I think this one would not be the fit.
0: Yeah, and the thing about Jamal, I mean, with the money, he wants to be—he uh, not only wants to be the highest-paid safety in the league, which would take him past Eddie Jackson of Chicago, who's about fourteen point six a year. Um, he'd like to leap that. I mean, he just doesn't want to go past that. I think he wants to take a big leap past that number. Uh, there were even some reports that he wants to be one of the highest-paid defensive players in the league, which would take him up to around twenty million. No team is going to pay $20 million a year for a strong safety. I mean, it's just not happening. So um, so Jamal has to take into account uh, the financial landscape is really not conducive for players getting new deals right now. I think I read somewhere that only three veterans since April 1st have gotten extensions with their current team. So it's it's a really hard market because of the pandemic, because of the economic uncertainty for a player of his stature to go out and break the bank. It's just really, really hard. So I don't think the Jets are being unreasonable by trying to tell him, you know, let's let's push this off a little bit and do it next year.
1: Yeah. Now, being a box safety as opposed to a free safety, uh, what limitations is that going to do in meeting his demand as far as money?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Eddie Jackson's a, more of a playmaking type uh, free safety. Uh, I mean, Earl Thomas, when he was with, uh, Seattle certainly was, uh, that type of safety, you know, a center fielder type who was going to make a lot of big plays, you know, like I mentioned, Ed Reed earlier, he was the quintessential, you know, center fielder who would just make so many big plays. And, uh, you know, I think teams are willing to pay for that a little bit more than a box safety. Uh, in fairness to Jamal, I mean he's really good at what he does, and he and he does line up in a lot of different positions. He's almost like a, a hybrid safety slash linebacker, uh, and he can cover when he's out. You know he can cover someone in the slot. It's really not his forte. I think the Jets, Greg Williams, a pretty smart defensive coach, and he uses him in the right positions, and he he got him a bunch of sacks last year. But I think actually five of those sacks came in two games where they faced. Uh, rookie quarterbacks, so you know they took advantage of a very uh, favorable matchup there, and he he fattened up his statistics in those games.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> going back to the uh, signing of uh, ex- extending players, I, I think it's going to be without question the worst year for that to happen. Like for example, the two seventeen draft is right now supplying most of the players that are going to be free agents next year. And so far only three of those guys have gotten extensions and it's hard to say who's going to be the next one. Obviously Dak Prescott is trying to be, and you can see the problem that he has, but I think, you know, this is this, what's going to be crazy. This could end up next year being one of the greatest free agent classes. If everybody hits the market, but the problem is nobody's going to have any cap room to sign them. If the cap goes down.
0: Yeah, I think this where the, where the Jets are figuring it, and, and they're taking a very conservative estimate. They're estimating that the cap is just going to be flat for next year. I don't think they're anticipating any any increases, but and they think it'll remain steady, you know, right in that one ninety eight to two hundred range. Um, so that's the way they're plotting their budget, and you know, they also have Sam Darnold coming up next year. He'll be eligible for a new contract. And, you know, he hasn't quite earned it yet by his play, but if he has a good year this year, then he would be in position next year. So I think the Jets are thinking, they're taking a macro view of the whole situation. It's just not Jamal. It's um, it's Sam, because as you know, John, I mean, you saw it with the Seahawks, you know, when they had to pay Russell. When, when you have a, a quarterback on a rookie contract, it's such an advantage when you're building your team. And once he gets the big money it changes your whole financial structure and so the jets are trying to milk this window they're in right now with darnold and so that's some of the factors that joe douglas is
1: considering yeah have they been able to be successful in that because i mean you look at the roster and you don't see many pro bowl players other than jamal adams and you don't see i mean i know that they were aggressive last year probably over aggressive and this year uh they were you know budget oriented i mean have they done a good job of building a roster around sam darnold
0: yeah, I don't think they've done a great job. Uh, pro Football Focus came out with their team rankings, you know, which we published in uh, on ESPN.com this week, and the Jets were ranked 28th, you know, in, in roster. And so, I mean, that's not great. <laughs> no. And so, I don't think they. I mean, they. I think they did make some improvements to the offensive line, but uh, they still have a ways to go, and they still don't have enough weapons around him. And uh, so. You know, they could be wasting some prime years here for Darnold to build under this rookie
1: quarterback window. What hasn't worked so far for Darnold?
0: Uh, I, what I just mentioned, yeah. you know, the supporting cast, his line was terrible last season. He's never really had a good running back. You know, Le'Veon <laughs> came in with all the hype last year, but he really had a, a historically bad year. He averaged 3.2 per carry, which was the worst in franchise history for a feature running back. And I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with the offensive line. So Darnold's never really had a good running game, so they've never really been able to exploit play action. And it's just put a lot of pressure on him. It seems like he's in third and long. So I think that's part of the reason why he hasn't flourished. Uh, he's, he's shown improvement. This is not a player who's declining. I think the arrow is pointing up. He maybe hasn't improved as much as everyone thought he would. So he's just got to make better decisions in pressure situations like third down and against the blitz. Those are areas where he could really uh, use some improvement.
1: Now, uh, one of the changes on the offensive line, Brandon Shell coming to uh, Seattle, how would you evaluate him?
0: You know, Brandon's uh, he's a good run blocker in a certain scheme. Uh, I don't think he's great in pass protection. You know, he's not the most athletic guy. He's more of a road grader type than really, um, you know, I don't think he's great in his own scheme because he's just not the most agile guy in the world. But, uh, you know, a real quiet guy, hard worker. Uh, and so, you know, the Seahawks, I'm sure we'll use him at right tackle, which is where he he should be, and uh, a pretty durable player. I don't think you have to worry about too many injury issues with him. So uh, you know, I mean, look, I think he'll he'll he's a replacement level player. I don't I don't think you're looking at a player who's going to uh, who's going to raise the level of the entire offensive line.
1: Yeah, and then uh, Adam Gaze, how would you evaluate his hot seat?
0: uh gonna be hotter if he doesn't if he doesn't get uh it was pretty hot last year I mean when they were one and seven the the fan base was actually was just uh beside itself and there were rumors going around that he might not make it through the year now the ownership quickly came out and said we're not making a change and to Adam's credit he did a good job the second half of the year they won six out of eight games to finish seven and nine but if they get off to another bad start this year, that hot seat is just going to is going to go way up, and uh, and then he'd be in some trouble. Uh, I think he's got to do a better job with the offense. I mean, he he is supposedly the offensive guru. That's one of the reasons they hired him. They finished thirty second in offense last year. Granted, a lot of injuries, but still, you know, you expect an offensive guru to be able to do more with what he had. So the offense has got to get better. I think Darnold's got to get better. And I think his overall relationship with the players has to get better. There was some, some tense situations last year, especially with injured players that I think could have been handled better. So I think you would hope he would have learned from those situations. So Adam uh, has to grow into this job a little bit more because if they have another losing season, I, I don't think ownership I think their patience will come to an end.
1: Finally, how would you evaluate uh, the teams in the AFC East?
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's so wide open at this point. You know, it's, it, it, this is new territory for us here, John, in the yeah. AFC East. We, we've had that Brady guy for 20 years. You know, it's, it's just a lifetime, and all of a sudden he's gone. And so the landscape changes. I would fer- personally favor Buffalo. I think Buffalo's probably the best team on paper. I'm not ready to anoint them yet because, look, we know how teams, suddenly when teams are the hunted instead of the hunter, it changes you know, their mindset. And I, we'll see. We'll see if they're mature enough to handle that. But on paper, they're the best team. And I would say New England is probably second best. I'm not ready to bury them yet. They still have Belichick, and that counts for, in my book, that counts for a lot and i think the jets are probably third and miami uh just because i mean miami brought in some really good players this off season and but there's still some uncertainty at quarterback how long is fitzpatrick going to be the guy before they hand it over to tua you know is tua ready is he healthy um so I would say Miami's probably the fourth team in the division behind the Jets.
1: Rich Cimini, uh from ESPN.com, uh, interesting times with the Jets, as it always is. Hey, thank you for joining us on Schooled with the Professor.
0: Always oh, my pleasure spending time with you, John. Thanks so much.
1: And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with a Professor.